Hello, this is Ed Cohen, editor of Global HR News, and your broadcast host today on Global Radio Talk Show, the broadcast service of Global HR News and GlobalBusinessNews.net. Broadcasting today from San Diego, California, and I guess today is Mr. Chuck Brooks coming from the Washington, D.C. area. Let me quickly introduce Chuck. He is an executive with General Dynamics Mission Systems. He is the principal market growth strategist, cybersecurity and emerging technologies, leading the market growth strategy team. This role also includes helping drive market strategy for existing and new market segments in both public and private sectors. He also leads market and emerging research trends and also defines product inception, go-to-market strategy, competitor analyses, and is involved with strategic partnering opportunities. He's been named a top tech person to follow by LinkedIn. He's known as a tech and cybersecurity evangelist, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. He's also a contributor to Forbes, and in his spare time, he's, uh, he's on the adjunct faculty of Georgetown University. Chuck Brooks has also been named by Thomson Reuters as a top 50 social influencer in risk compliance. He's a two-time presidential appointee, and he's held VP roles in three public corporations. He has 55,000 LinkedIn followers and 10,000 on Twitter. So our topic today is trends in cyber, emerging tech, and how to protect business. So let's say hello to Chuck. Hi, Ed. It's great to be here. Thanks for the nice introduction. I really uh, can go on and on with us. It keeps going. So let me just ask you very, very quickly before we get into the, the weeds here, how long have you been involved in this aspect of work, cyber, emerging tech? Well, you know, it, it really started when I actually, uh, I was one of the first people at the Department of Homeland Security when it was founded back in 2003 and 2004. And they created one new part of Homeland Security called the Science and Technology Directorate. And that purpose of that directorate was to take all the, the existing technology research and, and future technology research of all the different departments in Homeland Security, the 22 that they they folded in and develop uh, strategies to help protect against chemical, biological, rad nuke, explosives, and uh, cybersecurity. So that's when I really first started. And cyber back at that time wasn't as big as a threat as it's now, the sort of emerging threat. So I was involved from that on into the, to the basically the review and and the, and the, the simulation of, of emerging technologies for security. And and that's where I have I've stayed for the last uh, past decade and more, doing this and writing it and speaking about it. Okay, so now you have some political experience as well on the Hill. I see in your bio you were serving as a top advisor to the late Senator Arlen Specter on security and technology issues, and that goes back, you know, some years now, right? Actually, that was before cybersecurity, but it was definitely technology and security. And I spent eight years working for Senator Specter, who is a very hardworking and important figure at the time in the Senate. He was on the Intelligence Committee and led a lot of the appropriations stuff, and, and particularly in defense and research. So even back then, I had my, my hands in technology. So it's alarming to me as a layman that there's so much breaching going on. Not only the Yahoo breach, all that information was stolen, but 
Marriott information and all this stuff about Russia and China invading our systems, not to mention others. But in your article published on May 1, you're basically talking about insider threats, aren't you? I'm talking about that because that's really, aside from phishing and and malware attacks that are, are the most common, the second biggest problem when it comes to cybersecurity is it shows up in most polling is insider threats. You know, someone that's a disgruntled deployee, someone that's negligent, or actually someone that's been planted there to steal a IP. Pretty scary. So it says here that according to the PwC audit committee update on insider threats, 44% of data breaches attributable to insiders and 80% of the attacks are committed during work hours on company-issued software. Could you elaborate, please? Yeah. When you're an insider, you have usually have access. And when you have access, you have the ability to, to steal data. And sometimes if you're talking about attacks, it could be from the outside where you leave something open that shouldn't be open or you click on something that you shouldn't click on that allows someone to basically get at, at the system that's more negligence. Or it could be actually the, the, the employee or someone working there and on, on maybe in a third party and a vendor actually stealing stealing data. So it happens quite often and very difficult to detect. So there's laws against that. So people who get caught can go to jail, right? Absolutely. It says it's criminal. I mean, you, you work for a company, you usually sign something, you're not going to steal trade secrets or, or share them, and they can prosecute you. The difficulty is, is usually finding it in time. So the cost, and I'm looking at the research here, the cost of cybersecurity breach involving employees is, it says here, $8.7 million. Sounds like it should be higher, though, right? Well, it is higher. It depends. I mean, it's sort of averaged out because you've got to also factor that, that a lot of the, the targets are small business that don't have the revenues. So if you average that in, in, in with the large corporations, and, and sometimes also, I mean, you, it, it's sometimes three three months before someone knows what's going on in your system. So it's, it's difficult to get an exact figure, but still, it's, it's, it's definitely a factor for any business. So we're going to get into preventions in just a second. So let's, let's just continue a little bit about insider breaches that are accidental, never mind malicious. Yeah, I think one of the, the, the biggest challenges is because, you know, the, the Internet was really not built for security. It was, it was built for sharing information. And what companies tend to do is they create a database and they put all their company secrets. Sometimes it could be a financial institution, it would be bank records, et cetera. And there's ways now, particularly with the cryptocurrency and stuff, to, to basically blackmail and extract information. So it gets very, very, uh, it's, it's becoming a target, low-hanging fruit. You know, someone that comes in and is able to take that information and, and sell it. Or someone to, you know, basically if they want to do harm to the company. Which happened to Tesla, by the way. A, a disgruntled employee went out and basically uh, uh, distributed uh, IP data that they'd stole from the company. So it's pretty common, more common than you think. Right. So inadvertent mistakes also pose an ongoing threat, right? Absolutely. You know, you you often don't you know realize you leave a browser open. You may not. You may leave your your password laying around. There's different ways that employees create create issues that, that uh, where they don't follow protocols that they're supposed to follow that, that leave vulnerabilities that uh, lead to problems and lead to negligence and lead to ultimately breach records. So inadvertent mistakes pose an ongoing threat. And I would assume that sending, making a mistake, sending something to the wrong person without knowing it at first 
is pretty common, isn't it? Uh, pretty common. I think we've all done it, right? So <laughs> it's hard yeah. to take it back once you send something that you didn't want to send. And yeah. we also deal with privacy records and stuff too, which uh, creates uh, legal ramifications. So let's go deeper now to understand the vulnerabilities to insider threats. We need to, or somebody needs to be able to define and categorize. So why don't you take us through uh, what the Information Security Forum has provided? The best way to look at cybersecurity, even beyond anything we've discussed so far, is you have to look at a security framework. The security framework is really looking at where all the threats are. An insider threat is one of them. But it sort of pertains to the way to ameliorate the situation. It's also the same way to help defeat insider threat is, is to basically keep strong cybersecurity hygiene. And that starts with keeping strong passwords. It means having multi-authentication of who you are. It's uh, updating your antivirus software. It's continuous monitoring and to see if anything appears up on the dark web. It's uh, it's also patching. If you're if you're in a position where you actually control your your administration and IT, you have to update and patch it. And if you're not, you have to be in touch with the IT department to make sure that they are. Because a lot of times, a lot of these sort of breaches happen when when a malware hits. And a lot of the companies, particularly small business, haven't basically spent the time to patch the, the new updates to protect against that. So these are basically things that also relate directly to, to insider threats, too. The same, the same kind of thing, particularly cyber hygiene. Microsoft or Firefox or Avast, uh, I mean, don't, don't they automatically do that? Well, there are things that, that do that. And there's, there's a lot of security packages. As a matter of fact, a lot of big companies may have 35 or even 40 different security programs on, which could be a problematic in itself. But, but the problem is that the threat actors are, are usually two steps ahead, and they only have to get it right once. And they're very difficult to discover. You know, the average detection takes 197 days. And they're, you're also dealing with very sophisticated threat actors, including organized crime now, particularly with the use of cryptocurrency to extract ransomware. And nation states, if you're in a big company, if you're in the defense aerospace industry, if you're in finance or if you're in healthcare, there's a good chance that one of the large state actors has targeted you for, for information and vulnerabilities. So it's very difficult to, 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 to rely on, you know, there's so many points of access and surface attacks that could be from your, also from your phones. It could be from uh, the web itself, from the server. There's so many things to protect. So it's, it's not an easy task. Okay, so let's talk about the, my primary interest is cross-border business and virtual uh, meetings using the Internet. This is probably pretty risky stuff when it comes to uh, security, isn't it? It is very risky. Um, cross-border and, and actually traveling to a, a business people are, are, are easy targets. First of all, um, you know, usually when you go, basically if you take your phone. You don't necessarily protect your data before you leave or your computer, you're plugging into sometimes shared Wi-Fi, which is the easiest way to, to take and extract data. You may be sitting at a cafe where someone looks over at you and, and, and uh, is able to uh, you know, spoof your, your system or, or take your password or, or do other things. So yeah, you're a target, you know, particularly if you stand out, you know, you, if, you're, if you look like you're not part of the country. And it's also an, an issue because you're, you're dealing with different laws and different enforcement, which you don't have exact access to you that you, you don't call the fbi here like you call the fbi here you won't be able to do that overseas so there are a lot of issues there and, and a lot of it also it crosses the domain of being just cyber it's physical i mean a lot of times uh, computers and phones are stolen in very sophisticated ways so you have to be very very aware when, when you're overseas 
somewhat aligned with all this. So when when people are working in a we work kind of situation, you know, like an open office environment, it, it sure. I mean, isn't that risky? It can be. I mean, you still have to follow the the same cyber hygiene. You know, it's, it's something there that's open on the computer that's going to steal your password. If someone plants something, particularly if it's a shared computer, is something on the Wi-Fi system. If it's your, if it's a Wi-Fi system that's not encrypted, you take more risk when you're in a shared area in an open area, uh, for sure. You know, even when you go to a Starbucks cafe, uh, you don't know who's lurking there. So anytime you're not in your house or your office and don't have an encrypted computer that's very sophisticated and, and the right firewalls and you're vulnerable. So oh, there's something in the article that you wrote here. Uh, one of the key lessons for cybersecurity practitioners is as the environment and missions change, the control of data must also be adjusted. So that's what we were just talking about, right? Yeah, and that's control of data, but also you know, there's data at rest when it's staying there, or it's data when you transmit it, data in motion. Uh, those are all points of vulnerabilities uh, where an attacker could hack into. So it really, when it comes down to everything, really, you're, you're protected data. And the fact is that almost 150 billion records will be breached in the next five years because it's not necessarily, you're not doing a bad job, but you may have shared your data on you know, an insurance company with a hotel that has your social security number, maybe uh, your place of employment, your you know, credit card. So it's very difficult to, to protect. So you're likely at some point going to get you know, data stolen. So how do you encrypt? Is this a costly thing or is it just a service? And how do we know the encryption thing is, is real? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of encryption programs. All the basic carriers have them. And Microsoft, of course, it depends depends what you're using it for. If you're using it for, for personal, there's a lot of stuff you can use. VPNs that offer some sort of encryption, particularly if you're on Wi-Fi. But if you're a business, it's worth investing in a good encryption package, commercial package. And of course, if you're government, you're at much higher level. So there are different levels of encryption and sophistication for, for protecting keys. Okay. And so just uh, an aside on this idea of encryption, this issue of what's going on with Facebook now, and they're talking about the, the future is encryption. So what does this mean? Um, I mean, the WhatsApp thing, uh, make calls or send messages using WhatsApp instead of well, I would say any one thing. Basically, encryption is, is really two things. It's really uh, authenticating who you are first, to who you're sending it to, and then creating basically, a, if you want to call it something like a maze, so it's not easily discovered or deciphered, a better word, by someone that might intercept the message or the data. So some of these public things, they're constantly upgrading their, their stuff, but it still gets stolen. And, and it's difficult because you're really dealing with supply chain issues. A, a lot of different vendors have different access to things. So it's, it's, it's still a challenge. Again, if I say if you're, if you're really worried about encryption, you need to really invest in a personal encryption of all your email and, and not rely on where you're working or on a public domain. So corporate social responsibility then, or the corporate responsibility, is increasing. And this idea of BYOD, bringing your own devices to work and, and doing company business on them, this is probably going to change, isn't it? There are policies, but it's very difficult to protect and enforce. There are programs that actually the companies now have, and that is a type of separation and encryption. It'll work for most cases. I mean, you, you, if you have a company that knows what they're doing, they'll protect your device internally and you'll have your other 
personal emails and stuff on there, but it can cross contaminate if they're not set up well. And most, again, I go back to small businesses. They just don't have the resources or the expertise to protect most employees that have bring something in, or they could obviously accidentally contaminate the business. So you're really talking about only the only super secure ones are really government and some of the larger corporations or commercial that, that really need it. So Yes, the Bingra device thing really requires strong policies, particularly by small business, uh, to prevent the cross-contamination. Okay, so I'm reading this paragraph here. Even if a file is saved on an endpoint device, emailed or placed on a thumb drive or optical media, and taken outside the perimeter of the enterprise, that info should no longer be accessible if a person's right to the data has changed seems obvious. Yes. It's a privileged access, right? And part of the IT administrator is to determine who has access and need of the data. And that's a real important function, whether it's a CISO, a CIO, and a company. Mm. You write that companies should use, and I'm quoting, dynamic policies to control fine-grain usage. Basically, dynamic policy is, is means things that you have to really be informed. If things are changing, and, um, you know, levels of, of need to know change, levels of actual technology, whether it be machine learning, other things that are implemented, or eventually blockchain, may affect how the policies of the company basically access information. Okay. Well, thanks very much. And so it says here a basic tenet of cybersecurity is that it fits seamlessly into the business and must be practical for the mission. So in the HR world, especially talent mobility, uh, whether it's business travel or relocation of talent for company business, there's an increase in technology within HR management, much unlike the past, which HR has been behind the curve. But now, rapidly increasing technology with cross-border, cross-time zone, cross-cultural communications, this is increasing and especially with video video conferencing, as I mentioned, when you have teams all over the world and they have to share information somehow. So how is all this going to be protected? Well, again, this is a combination of having the policies, having the expertise at the top levels of the C-suite, knowing where your vulnerabilities are. The first thing you really have to do as a company and an HR particularly is the risk assessment, seeing where, where there may be gaps when you're operating on a legacy system that has certain vulnerabilities where everything again is patched, then you also have your legal and your policy people look at, you know, whether they're complying with the privacy issues, which is really big, important in HR. And eventually, I think what it'll go down to is really encrypting the data. It'll be encrypting the, 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 the privacy of the individual file, which will have to be done to really ensure security because it's very difficult to protect everything. And it really depending upon how big your company is, but you have to go where you can put the most resources. And the most resources are probably uh, trying to encrypt the, the data that will be in motion and privacy will be an utmost concern, particularly when you're dealing with, with people's human resource records. Well, Chuck, it's been a delight to speak with you. This is a really technical topic, but you're making it sound easy. And so that's, that's brilliant. So people can get in touch with you. They could go to LinkedIn, right? Absolutely. Uh, follow me on LinkedIn. I'm easy to discover. Just go to Chuck Brooks, and, and I'll be the first one to pop up there. Yep, I'm on your page now. So <laughs> thanks very much for being our guest today on Global HR News, Global Radio Talk Show. Much appreciated.
Oh, it was a pleasure being on. I look forward to doing it again sometime. This is Ed Cohen in San Diego. That was Chuck Brooks in Washington. And we're signing off now. Have a great day. Goodbye. Yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful day.